And you don't have to act like you're the beaten wife, or the beaten stepchild, and you are worth something. And so have the guts and have the courage to go and move on somewhere else. Do not sit there and take, do the best that you can do by fixing yourself. And if that's not good enough for the guys that you're gonna spend a 30 year life, maybe 20 plus years with, you probably don't need to be there, guys. You don't need to be there. Firehouse Vigilance presents The Weekly Scrap, a podcast dedicated to the never-ending fight against complacency. Corley Moore, it's Firehouse Vigilance. This is Weekly Scrap, number 92. Tonight's guest agreed to come on on very short notice, and I appreciate it. It is Eddie Steele. He is a 13-year veteran of the fire service, currently at the historic Weatherford, Texas Fire Department. He's assigned to Engine 2. In his own words, he proclaims himself to be a wannabe truckman at Station 1. He has run the gamut from volunteer and part-time to riding the ambulance to full-time career. He was an instructor at the Weatherford College Regional Fire Academy. He actually stopped doing that to focus more on establishing the Frontier Fools, which he is the president of. He is passionate about the fire service. And I love this quote, so I wanted to include it in your intro. He says, I could never give enough back to the fire service for what it has given me. So, with all that being said, my brother, Eddie Steele, it is my pleasure to have you on as a guest of Weekly Scrap number tiny 92. Welcome, my brother. Thank you. Man, I, I don't know what to say. This thing is... Please hold. How about now? Oh, yeah, that's a thousand times better. All right, cool. Chi- Chinese earbuds, so we're right on. about China. <laughs> right on. Okay. All right. So I'll back up. So I, I was a real quick, real quick audience, uh, guys that are listening, tell me on the volume levels, if I need to go up or down, because I did, I now no longer have a sound check on the level. So tell me much, which way to go. Now I'm having you start over Eddie and we'll just pretend like we just started overcoming adversity. Go. Thank you audience. All right, I appreciate that. So adversity, man, I was kind of born into it. Uh, so to speak, um, I was adopted when I was a baby and uh by a loving family but of course i was so dumb i didn't realize how much i was loved and uh you know i was uh i'm american indian and i was adopted when i was about 10 days old and my biological family um i didn't know anything about it it's closed closed adoption uh papers and such and so even if i wanted to reach out to find out i couldn't and uh so as you start getting older and you realize you don't look like you know your 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 family that you're with now start asking questions and wondering why, and, you know, uh, of course at about 15 years old, you know, everything, right. Nobody of course. Right. <laughs> You're mad at the world, man. So whatever was the right thing to do, I did the opposite. You know, I did the opposite. <laughs> so I was angry. And in fact, if I found out like, you know, if that was the right way, I purposely went. Uh, so, um, anyway, my, uh, that's kind of the way I lived most of my life until, you know, until my, you know, middle twenties and such. And then, uh, my father was an awesome man. He was my hero. Uh, my dad was a, uh, my dad was a fighter pilot in the air force. And, uh, I lost him two years ago to cancer suddenly, mm, but damn. you know, I had no idea, you know, um, what kind of a guy he was as far as, you know, career wise, he never talked about it, but, uh, you know, he died when he was you know, almost 90 years old, but, uh, he was, a fighter pilot flying like generation one and two supersonic jets. Nice. So if you're thinking about like right after Korea, you're talking about like right the height of the Soviet scare. I mean, every weekend we were going to die from a nuclear bombing raid, you know? Right. And, right. And so dad was out there and, uh, in supersonic fighters. Of course, back then they went higher and faster than they do now. And, and so, uh, that's what he was doing. And, uh, you know, at the age of 45, they decided to adopt me. And, uh, 
you know, I had no idea that there's this guy that's just like larger than life, you know, that decided to take the time to, to adopt me. But anyway, short story long, uh, you know, his, his brothers were uh, uh, L.A. County firemen. And so service has been in the family. And that was something that I always wanted to do and uh, as far as serve. But at the same time, I, you know, my 15 uh, year old knucklehead got in the way. And so, um, you know, it took me to be about 25 or 26 to straighten up and realize that, you know, what I was doing uh, was either going to probably wind me up in, in dead or in jail. Right, right. <laughs> and so by the grace of God, I really didn't get in that much trouble with the police as much as I probably could have. And so um, my parents, um, they uh, they retired and they moved out to Weatherford, Texas. And I, at that time, I was in Arlington. It was kind of a pretty large suburb of Dallas, Fort Worth. In fact, now it's a big city. But back then, it was a large suburb. So I'd come out to Arlington, you know, once a, uh, once a week to mow their two acres. And so uh, one day, I was at the convenience store, and I saw this local newspaper, the Weatherford Democrat, that said, Weatherford College graduates two cadets that was picked up uh, by Weatherford uh, Fire Department, something along the lines of that. So I'm a sweaty. I'm getting my chimichanga and my Dr. Pepper. Um, from the big pantry there, right. and, uh, you know, like God just said, "Hey, dummy, that's what you need to do." And I was like, "Huh?" And I looked at, it, I was like, "Man, I'm going to do this." So I went over to my parents. I said, "Mom, Dad, this is what I want to do." My dad said, "Well, you better talk to your uncle." So uh, I did that, and um, you know, next thing I know, they said, uh, "You know, hey, you can live at our house while you're going to the fire academy if you finish, because you haven't finished anything in your life that right. you've done." <laughs> that's awesome and no the support that they gave you yes yeah go ahead sorry yeah so uh anyway man i, I went to the the fire academy the very first day and uh the very first day there was this instructor who's now my fire chief but his name was lieutenant peacock at the time this man is and we'll get later into him a little bit later but he's former 82nd airborne okay right and so we rode a bus to station three at weatherford fire department because that's where the classroom was and there's a three-story training tower that still to this day it's there. And every time I look at it, my stomach gets sick because I ran so many so many towers <laughs> there. But he jumps onto the uh, onto the bus. He goes, "Welcome to the Weatherford uh, Regional Fire Academy. You have ten seconds to de-ass yourself from this bus and get on the yellow line." And man, and like from there, it just changed my life. And after that next day, I'm drenched in sweat, and like that was my detox my recovery and my lifesaver all at once. And I said, man, I love this and I want to be a part of that. And, um, you know, throughout the, those, those four months that I was there at station three at Weatherford fire department, those firemen there at Weatherford with once made the biggest impact on me. And I wanted to be just like them. There was guys in the, the class that wanted to be at the bigger cities and right. such. But to me, the image of a firefighter to me was a Weatherford firefighter. Now, how, so, uh, how old were you then when you went to this Station 3 deal? I was 26. Okay. I was 26. Okay. I was the old man. In fact, there was one other guy that was in his 30s. But other than that, I was, I was an old man. Right on. And, and so, um, but before that, I got in shape, you know, and I was running and, and doing all that stuff that I needed to do because I wasn't, I sure as heck wasn't going to go to the fire academy to get in shape. Right. So, um, anyway, I did that and uh, you know, running towers. I blew my knee out about, you know, two and a half months into it. So now I'm on crutches and, uh, you know, at that time, the the director of the fire academy kind of gave me an ultimatum. He said, "He said, Steele, if you can't heal up in a month and a half, finish the state um, hands-on training, then I'm going to have to dismiss you." You know, and I'm sitting there. I've got this. I got a torn meniscus. I'm, I don't want to get surgery. And um, you know, 
and I powered through that and, you know, become live burns. So I was able to do, do just exactly what I wanted to do. And I ended up graduating. Nice. And, uh, you know, and that, that was a big, um, that was a big accomplishment for me because uh, I hadn't really ever done anything worth, worth a crap before that. So of course, when I get done with that, I was like, yeah, I'm a fireman. You know, right. they said, uh-uh, no, now you got to go to EMT school. I'm like, what is that? Right. Like, I don't even know how to know that, you know? EMT, right? So, <laughs> you know, nobody told me about that. I just thought that's all I had to do. So, um, anyway, I went and applied and got accepted to the EMT school there, and I bombed. And like first two tests, I bombed and I bombed out. Man, I was like, crap, that's it. I mean, I worked all this, you know, I worked hard and gotten all this this distance, and now I'm just bombed out. And so. Um, uh, I just thought to myself, man, you know, you can't do that. And so um, I found out on the interwebs how to get a really quick, easy EMT certification. And that was through the National Outdoor Leadership School up in North Carolina. Well, but notes to me, that was actually like a survival school, <laughs> school up in the, in the Appalachians. And that was like a one month, like high intensity wilderness EMT with like one week of street and so I was up there. So you headed up uh, there and you did that. Yeah, I did now, that. Now did you month. did you excel at that, or did, did that did that connect with you, or was it just an ass kicker? Or you know what, it was all the above. And what was great about it is that it was something that was tactical, like tactical that I could like put my hands on right. and understand because a lot of the medicine, um, uh, the EMT, the basic EMT training was really kind of surrounded by uh, backwoods. You know, you're five miles off the main path and you got a broken leg. What do you do? For what do you guy? do? Right. You know? and so because if not, I mean, if you can imagine, you know, if you're out there hiking and whatever Zion National Park and you get a twisted ankle, you're screwed, dude. Right. right. You know what I mean? So anyway, that was something that really kind of uh, it was it was uh, it was something that I could hold on to. And it made sense to me. So actually, I, I did excel well. And um and I met some pretty cool characters there, man. Some of these guys were like former special operations dudes that were, wow. you know, pulled together there because they were bodyguards for like high executive family members and stuff. So that was kind of neat. And that's kind of where I learned CrossFit. Some guy um, was a former SEAL team member. And he said, hey, man, do you want to go work out with me? I was like, sure. And he goes, it's only 20 minutes, man. It'll be sweet. <laughs> like, right. right. This is like, like this is like 2009. You know what I mean? Right. And anyway. He was, uh, uh, we did a 20 minute workout and it was like, I was laying on the ground on my back puking and I was like, this is awful, but I love it. So right. I kind of, I got it pretty early, but anyway, we're talking about adversity. So, um, after that, uh, I tried to apply for every fire department I possibly could do after I got my, my EMT certification and man, you know, that was back in the time where like as opposed to now in Texas now, man, if you have a pulse and a heartbeat and you haven't committed murder in five years, like they're going to hire you. <laughs> but like back then, you know, we're like talking like 2009, like, man, there was like three job openings and there was like 400 people. Right. Behind. Right. You know, and you'd see the same cats at every fire uh, training. No, absolutely. Know, every fire test. And man, I just couldn't do it because number one, I've got a, I've got a problem with, with math and just like a lot of other firemen, but, uh, man, I can't do those math problems. Especially truckies, but go ahead. <laughs> right? Okay. right? I couldn't do the math problems, so I could never get in the top, like, 10 or 5%, you know? And I was always staying in shape, and everybody told me that I was, like, semi-well-spoken. And, um, 
you know, so it just kind of years go by and I just, I'm not making the cut. So I'm scraping and I'm clawing to try to get onto a department. So I thought to myself, self, like, how do I stay in the game? Right. Ride an ambulance, you know, do something, you know, right. volunteer, go part-time, you know, just whatever it is that you can, you know, build a resume to where when you finally do, you know, make the cut and you've got, you know, the interview panel in front of you and they're looking at your resume and they go, Steel, dude, you've been like trying, haven't you? You know, yeah. like, yes, sir, check it out. You're riding ambulances, part-time volunteer. I have no you know, quit. Yeah. You know, whatever it is. And that way they can tell, you know, hey, that, that he really was looking for a home. So, um now, before I, I'm going to pause you on your story, I'm going to catch you. I'm going to throw questions at you because I have quite a few and I don't want to miss them because the audience, I love getting their questions in. And one of them has to do with your story. It's Cody Hanna says, as a leader, how do you draw the line for your guys who want to put, just push through injuries like you had? You have to understand that there's a, uh, um, it's hard to say as a leader, you know what I mean? Because during that time I was just, a, I wasn't even a, I wasn't even a somebody. I was, or I wasn't even a gonna be. I was just like a nobody back then. But you know, you just got to figure out how bad you want something, Cody. You know, um, and for me back then, it was there was no other way for me to go back to the lifestyle that I was going doing. And so, and I still say this to some young guys: it's like you've got to want it. Like, uh, you know, when you dive in that deep end of the pool, you didn't take a long enough breath. You find yourself at the bottom of the drain. Look up. And you see, like, the, the sunlight right. was raised. And you try to doggy paddle up to the surface. And you're, like, going, oh, my gosh, surface getting there fast enough. It's like you've got to want it that bad to where you're almost running out of air. And you got to get that air. And for me, that's kind of how it was, you know. And I just thought to myself, there's got to be a way that I can find out to get this done. And so as far as the injury, you know, I always say that there's there's options, you know. So I, I talked to the director and I asked him, so what do I need to do to be able to pass? You know, he says, well, you know, you really don't need to participate in everything, but when it comes to state skills, you have got to be able to be. You got to meet those standards. Right. Skills. And that's really after live fire or during live fire. Everything else is just practice, man. You know, it's about four months of practice. So uh, I just kept my and, and thanks to him you know he told me hey when we're doing drills you just sit and watch but he goes but dang it steel if you cannot do them come live fire you know that's right. it you know and so that's what i did i just kind of you know licked my wounds and, and absorbed as much as we can as i could and uh, now so i guess that's what it is drawing be, the line because you went through that would you uh say that you have a different approach when other people are injured and hurt trying to get through stuff or no maybe so you know i, I think um you know, there was other, there's a lot of young kids straight out of high school and, and, and such. But for me, there was just, you know, there was just something burning and driving in me that I had to get that done. Right. You know, okay. as far as getting, um, getting done with Fire Academy. Next uh, one I'm throwing know. at you Chief Rice, Garrett Rice, uh, one of the best mustaches in Texas. Uh, <laughs> he said, uh, Weatherford Fire Department has a steeped history. What's the coolest historical story or item associated with the department? The coolest thing associated with it, yeah. man, I guess we can do that right now, but I was going to tell you that. So, um, I love history, uh, chief. And that's one of my, one of my passions is history. And I'm, I don't really, well, I know why it's because it's, it's really kind of what we're based upon. Sure. And, uh, 
And a lot of it also is, I guess, my background, my American Indian background. And uh, what I really try to do is dive in and find out as much as I possibly could about where I was from. But um, so the coolest thing about Weatherford Fire Department history. So <clears throat> the Weatherford Fire Department was was established in 1858 in Weatherford, Texas. Now, you got to think about if you can close your eyes and think about the Wild West, Texas right. at that time. You know, there was Fort Worth and then 20 miles west was a little village called Weatherford, Texas. And that was the outpost, man. It was like the craziest people lived in Weatherford at the time, you know. But if you went anywhere outside of Weatherford, Texas, like five miles, two miles, you're not going to come back because the Kiowa and the Comanche are going to find you. And they will probably tie you to a, a wagon wheel, you know, cut out your tongue, and then they'll feed you to the uh, to the fire. Right, end. right. You know? And then after that, they'll burn you, and you'll still be alive. So during that time, you know, you got to think about it. That's when Weatherford Fire Department was established. And so one of the cool things, we have a, a picture of the Iron House. And it's called the Iron House because um, back then mm-hmm. the, we had a truck. There was a truck company and a hose company. Um, and they they stored their apparatus in this corrugated iron building. And uh, when they came to time to call for service for the fires, Winchesters and six shooters were shot up in the air. Nice. So you think about that, right, you know? right. Like, Absolutely. You know, old old Miss, you know, Smith, she knocked over her, her lantern. Now her barn's on fire. And now everybody in the village starts shooting the six shooters up, you know, to call for the firemen to come put out the fire. And so digging into the history, I, I think that that's probably the coolest thing, uh, you know, because at the same time that you get kidnapped by uh, by the Kiowa and the Comanche also, you have these tough as nailed firemen you know, protecting this little community. Sure, and, uh, sure. And that's one of the coolest things that makes us so proud of our of our historical department is, is things like that. So, no, and the fact that you're the fact that you've researched it and connected to that and and can take pride in it, man. That's that's man. Everybody should try to dig into their department and find something that they can take pride in in that way. I agree. You know, that's one of the things, and uh, and I'm really blessed to be in a department that uh, that helps me with that because. At first, when I started digging into this, you know, and I, I was sending it out in emails, you know, and I'm like, uh, you know, everybody knows how that peer pressure in your own department, you know, you hit that email and you did all this work, you like send, you know, like, <laughs> you know, but then, you know, one of the coolest, you know, things that you hear is, you know, a week later, you know, one of the guys that you look up to goes, hey, Eddie, that was really cool what you sent, man. I had no idea. I'm like, sweet. Thank Next goodness. thing you know, yeah. man, guys from the department kind of like, yeah, man. Iron House, Weatherford Fire Department, Comanches, you know. <laughs> right on, so. right on. All right, I don't want to – we're going on – we're already heading down rabbit holes, and I'm okay with that if you're okay with that. So it, the the scrap is definitely always uh, – never knows where it's going to go. Jimmy Gross has a great question. I want to throw it at you. And it's kind of what we were going to talk about anyway a little bit, but uh, I'm just going to throw his question right at you. Uh, what are your thoughts on the evolution of the fire service – he had an interesting conversation with a good friend the other day about how younger guys are coming into departments with an extreme wealth of knowledge because of all the training, accessibility to information online, particularly YouTube. Do we as a fire service need to listen more to our young hard chargers? What's your take? Um, both, Jimmy. Uh, that, that guy, Jimmy Gross, is an awesome dude, by the way. Listen, listen to him. He's solid, solid. Story. But, um, man, I, I think that we really need to give respect to the guys that have been on the job. It doesn't matter if they grew up with fog and all pistol grips and all that other stuff. But these guys have been there. They put their time in. 
regardless of what you think it was good time or bad time, um, you know, they are what laid the groundwork in your fire department and in the fire service in general um, as a whole. So I think that talking to them and respecting them is very important, regardless if you, you know, agree with everything that they say or if they don't agree with your doing. Uh, and I think that the young guys um, should take time to, to, um, to do that, to, to speak to them. You know, and then after that, you know, then start doing, you know, forming your own opinions. But talk to these old guys, man. They want to talk. And, you know, and at one time, those old guys were like you. Yeah. At one time, those old guys were hard chargers. But shoot, man, they've been doing it for 20 something years, every, you know, a third of their life dealing with people's problems. Yeah. You know, and now they're passing the torch to you. So the only, I guess, if, if I'm, hope I'm not dodging the question, but, you know, give them the respect and listen to them and talk to them and get their perspective on things. You know, and then carry on with what your mission is. Very nice. Very nicely said. And Chase Morgan said, well said, very well said. Bubba Martin said, that's the truth. Uh, I got another question to throw at you here. And I wanted to bring up Dave McGrill, uh, Chief Dave McGrill. His, one of his quotes is, the, and I'm going to butcher it, so forgive me, Chief. <laughs> but it's, uh, we're very good at eating our young and, and ignoring our old. Oh, right? Gosh. And it's like, that's yeah. like two of the biggest problems in the fire services. That's the, what we do. So uh, I think he's spot on. Um Thomas Anderson said, and I don't know where this is coming from, but we're getting back on track now. But he said, ask Eddie about his saying of who he is and where he's from. <laughs> That's Thumbs. Thumbs is our training chair, man. And that guy, that guy has forgot more about uh, about firemanship than I'll ever know. But um, I always say I'm nobody from nowhere. Man. Uh, and whenever they were talking, I told I called up after you asked me if I could be on this. I called up. I called up Thumbs and I said, hey, man. Um, he wants me to be on this thing. He's like, I don't know why he wants to hear me because I I'm nobody from nowhere. He, and and Thomas, he said to me, he goes, dude, you've got something to say, man. And you know, um, you know, just talk, just be yourself, and you know, and just talk about about the fire service and how you feel about it. So it is true, and I think uh, that's that's the way I always kind of want to be. I'm not, I don't want to be famous. Uh, I just want to be a fireman. And I think you know that the biggest respect that you can probably get. No, it doesn't matter as much as I love uh, Facebook and I love all the information out there. But what's really important is that the guys that you spend a third of your life with and that who are directly, you know, uh, your lives are in each other's hands. As long as they respect you, that's what matters, man. You know, it doesn't matter if you're a big time Facebook fireman or not. It's that if they can call up whether for fire department and say, hey, Eddie Steele, is he a good fireman? Is he a good dude? I go, yeah, he's a little weird, but he's a really good fireman. <laughs> That's all that matters, you know, yes. to me. I love that. I love that. And I will tell you this right now, as I reached out to, um, <clears throat> whenever I had a cancellation, uh, I, I know, you know, Devin Craig and I talk, he's one of my best friends I've never met. And I tell him that all the time. Cause he's one of my Facebook friends. We talk all the time. And I said, dude, I had a cancellation. Who can I get? And he never hesitated. He said, Eddie Steele. So <laughs> anyway, so Devin there you go. Is, uh, man, I appreciate it. I love Devin man. he's a, uh, funny story how we met too but yeah i appreciate that thanks a lot dude by the way now look at me. there you go all right so adversity i'll let you finish up adversity since i interrupted you with the uh, the the i apologize about that so no that's me know, after go ahead years, after years of, of struggling scraping and clawing i was part-time at two different departments i was riding on ambulances it took me four times i realized that the only way that in texas in my in my area the metroplex i was going to get a fire job because I wasn't smart enough to get on the top five or 10% of the test was to get my freaking paramedic, right? 
I had a hard enough time spelling EMT. Right. Now you're telling me, now you're telling me I got to get my paramedic to get a job. And they're like, dude, that's the golden ticket, man. Get your paramedic. And so I applied for paramedic school and it took me four times to pass paramedic school, not the national registry, right? But paramedic school. And I went online, offline, in town, out of town, and just come, come hell or high water. I was going to get that red patch because I knew that was the golden ticket. So um, just because you fail a class, so what? Do it again. Get up and do it again. How bad do you want it again? It's kind of like that that uh, analogy of being you know in the deep end of the pool and you're trying to get to the surface. You got to want it like like you want oxygen. You know, and so that was me, and I wanted I wanted it so bad. So um, finally, um, finally, I got it, and of course, I passed the registry the first time because uh, you know I'd taken those classes so, so much. Right, <laughs> right. You were ready. You must be a freaking doctor by now, right. dude. I'm getting a, I'm getting a never quit attitude out of this, man. I mean, I, I, I love it. I love hearing the 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 sheer tenacity that you're displaying in this story. Go ahead. That's just kind of the beginning of it, man. And so, you know, finally when I got, you know, so I've been in the fire service, you know, um, about five years or so by then, you know, uh, you know, part-time volunteering in the ambulance, you know. And finally when I got my red patch, that was that was the golden ticket, you know. The first place that I um, that I applied for, I got the job because they was paramedic preferred, you know, and that was in the suburb just south of, of, uh, of Dallas. Right I was like, sweet finally you know and by that time i think i was i was 30 i was almost at the civil service age so I was like 32 or 33 or something like that right on and so uh, i was like man i made it i was so happy dude i mean you would not believe you know it was another just a, a great feeling you know i was on top of the world and um i found out the department i was at just wasn't there was something going on there man but like it, it was not a very healthy department for me to be at. And, uh, and so I went from peak of the, of, of, you know, my hard work. I just had, and I tell these, these people this every time I, I applied and it's true. And I still, I still try to live uh, my life this way, but I've got cuts and, and scrapes and calluses on my fingers from scraping and clawing to try to get where I'm at. And, uh, and so I got there and it just wasn't the greatest atmosphere. And I kind of got beat down a little bit there. Um, and I was told that I was not, and this is where I was told I needed to fix myself, that I was not a good fireman and I'm possibly going to get people hurt. And, um, but that time and moment, I was like, how can that be? Right. You know, never had a problem anywhere else, but rather than pointing the finger at everybody else, you know, I looked in the mirror, whether it was BS or not, I looked in the mirror and I said, Eddie, you got to fix yourself, man. You know? And so I went back to the fire academy. And I just called up the, the director there. I said, Chief, can I just come and, like, just watch the instructors, you know? And I just figure this out, you know, and just be a fly on the wall. That's, and, yeah, that's uh, awesome. I don't want to instruct because, crap, apparently I'm not even good at what I'm doing. So I just want to, like, want to figure out where what I went wrong with. And so I went back to the academy, and little by little, those instructors kind of let me throw in little, little nuggets and such. And, and I realized that, hey, I got this. You know, I started getting my confidence back and and slowly and surely they started letting me, you know, teach a couple more classes and take little groups about masking up or, you know, just simple little things. Right, know. right. And um, I got my I slowly got my confidence back. But when I realized, like, hey, the problem ain't me. The problem is where I'm at. 
And that's something important that guys need to understand that if you're in a place that you're not happy with, you need to understand that there is a way out, you know, and sometimes because of the peer pressure, it's heavy, man. It really is. I've been there. I've had the, the target on my back. And there's a lot of people out there that run around with the target on the back. And I want them to understand that there is an option out there and you don't have to be there and you don't have to act like you're the beaten wife, or the beaten stepchild, and you are worth something. And so have the guts and have the courage to go and move on somewhere else. Do not sit there and take it. Right on. You know, do the best that you can do by fixing yourself. And if that's not good enough for the guys that you're going to spend a third of your life, and maybe 20 plus years with, you probably don't need to be there, guys. You don't need to be there. And you're worth something. And go, whether it's you need to get more educated by getting your paramedic or whatever it is, hustle your butt off to get to where you need to get. And so that's what I did. Um, I left there. And, um, and, and that kind of brings me to the, where the fools are. I was in a low time in my life and, uh, I was on the interwebs and I saw these, like, these guys like fools. I'm like, who's, you know, but they were always, exactly. right. <laughs> yeah. Right. They're having these meetings. In fact, they're having these meetings in the Northern part of the Metroplex that was like, you know, an hour, hour and a half away. And I said to myself, self, the next time, and cause they had some good stuff going on out there yeah, and, uh, I saw some videos and stuff and some trainings and it said, and this is an amazing thing that said, said everyone welcome. Right on. You do not have to be a member. Everyone welcome. I'm like me. Right. Like Eddie Steele. Right. Like the guy that don't know nothing. You're telling me that I'm welcome to come to this meeting. And I was like, shoot, I got no excuse not to. So I told my girlfriend, I'm like, I'm going to Flower Mound Fire Department to where this next meeting is going to be for the Heart of Texas Fools. And it's uh, it's about ladders. And that's when I met uh, Heart of Texas Fools. And I met Chief uh, Garrett Rice. And, you know, here I am. And I had, by this time, I had moved to another department, you know, to get my self-esteem back up. And this was a one-station department, you know, that ran the wheels off of an ambulance. But I didn't care because I was appreciated there. Right. Yeah, we're talking like 5,000 calls a year from station, you know, <laughs> ambulance. And so, um, but I, I love I love the, the department because the guys were great and, and it was a good, good, fresh uh, breath of air for me. But anyway, um, I walk into, you know, this big fire station at, at Flower Mound Fire Department. Here's this meeting, you know, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be surrounded by like these super firemen. And, uh, you know, so here I am like this, I'm wearing a Metallica shirt, like, you know, yes. uh, a fire department hat on, you know, like I'm here guys, you know, and uh, please don't say something stupid. And, uh, Garrett, uh, chief Garrett rice was having this, uh, class on ground ladders that freaking blew my mind, you know, like, Oh my gosh. It was like, you know, you realize that, um, like how cool ladders are, you know, right. Right. Before that, before that man, I didn't want to touch that thing. That right. Shit. That shit's heavy. <laughs> or you, you get know, the yeah, what you don't know how to raise a ladder up you know you get that kind of thing you know what i'm saying like yeah, yeah you don't know how to throw a ladder like, you know that same guy didn't know how to either right you know? exactly that's why he was saying it yeah no one took the time to do that but so and i realized though that all of a sudden i look at this dude who's the president of the heart of texas fools his name is matt Jelinski, and i went to rookie school with him like eons before that i'm like matt he's like eddie i'm like matt i was like yeah it's like dude like look at you he's like man 
started, and then I looked at another guy, you know, at Zach Hamlin, and I started at Lake Worth part time with him. Like Zach, he's like Eddie. I'm like, these are all my friends, you know. Right like, on. This is a safe space to be, you know. And immediately I was like, God, where were you guys? You know, I needed y'all back then, you know. But so something like God wanted me to go through these trials and tribulations before I found like my safe spot. And so. I know I'm kind of going into it, but this is how I've overcome some of the adversities and surrounded myself with people that were better than me, that really raised me up. <clears throat> and, uh, awesome, man. That's awesome, bro. Yeah. I'm so grateful. <clears throat> no, it comes through in your story, man. And, uh, here in the story, uh, I understand why you get emotional, even thinking about how far you've come and what, and, the, and those who've helped you overcome. Yeah, yeah dude, brother, hundred percent. You ready for more questions being thrown at you? Yeah, man. All right. Eddie, you have so much drive to push others to be the best they can be all the time. This is from Chris Wilmer. Um, it's Red Stash Media, right? Yeah. Uh, he's coming up to to photograph the con- the conference next week. So anyway, I just recognized the name. So anyway, thanks, Wilmer. But coming from Chris Wilmer, Eddie, you have so much drive to push others to be the best they can be all the time. How do you manage the haters? You are always 100% positive. <clears throat> um, you know, it, it, sometimes you've got to be at the very bottom, you know, to understand. Um, and I'm not saying that other people haven't, but sometimes you have to be on that receiving end, you know, to where you have been, um, you have been the subject of, of, uh, of being at the very bottom, I guess you can say. So what I do is I just, you know, uh, I try to find right with myself. I try to educate myself as much as I can. And I stop trying to make other people happy and I make sure that I'm happy with myself. And by doing that, then I have to look at myself in the mirror and say, am I doing the very best I can um, to fix myself? So if the people were saying like, hey, Eddie, you're not very good at this or, you know, you're a piece of crap because you're not, you know, you don't know how to, you know, turn a um, SCBA harness into, you know, SCBA waist strap into a harness, you know, with your eyes closed and, you know, with your fiber alert on. Whatever it is, you know, then I got to fix myself and I'm going to do it. And it's hard, man. It's hard. But um, I guess that's what it is, is I just, you know, I, I deal with it by trying to first fix myself. And if I'm good with myself, then I don't really I don't really care about what the other people say, because eventually when the time comes for me to do those skills on the job, they're going to see me do it. And they're just going to say, all right, he's good. You know, that's how it is. But I want you also to know that don't be one of those haters, no matter what that peer pressure is, because it's, it's real around the firehouse. You know, if somebody says, Hey, screw that guy. No, he hadn't done anything to me. And I'm not going to start picking sides, man. You know, until that guy does something directly to me, then I'll make my own opinion, but thanks for the heads up. And you're a dick, you know, nice. <laughs> That's pretty much it, you know? So, uh, and if you see somebody doing that, I challenge you to, I challenge everybody stick up for that guy. You know, I'm not saying like, you know, arm wrestle or fist fight over, but say, hey, man, you know, he ain't that bad. Why don't you take some time to help him? Right so, on. Anyway, that's what that's what I say about that. Awesome. Hey, I want to tell you this. Whenever I'm doing the scrap, I'm always, if I'm ever looking away and writing notes, it's because you said something that I want to timestamp so that I can have a possible soundbite for the beginning of the podcast. And I've already have, I already have like three timestamps that I'm going to have to choose between. So it's really, really good so far with some great uh, quotes. Um, looking for the other question. Uh, sorry, you getting a lot of questions thrown at you. Other really? Seth, Seth Thompson said, other than leading by example, how do you keep guys motivated to train, grow, and improve? 
Man, I'll tell you what. Hey, what's up, Seth? Seth is uh, Seth is an awesome dude. He's from West Texas out there in Eula Fire Department. Like, if you don't know where Eula Fire Department is, that's in West Texas. But it okay. doesn't matter. People in Eula know what Eula Fire Department is. And uh, people like Seth, man, keep me going because, uh, you know, why does he want to hear from me? I guess I've got something to do with but uh, I'm sorry. What was that question one more time? <laughs> How do you tell the young – oh, wait. Uh, I scrolled. But get back to it. Other than leading by example – how do you keep guys motivated to train, grow, and improve? Okay, right. Uh, man, you know, it's hard. Um, it's kind of a double negative there, Seth, man, because you have to lead by example. And I don't really consider myself a leader. And uh, I, I don't want anybody to think that, you know, I walk around like, I'm leader Eddie. I'm not. I just, I don't think that. But, you know, you've got to lead. You've got to live your life by the example. So I can't just sit there and say, you know, hey, um, I'm Eddie Steele and, and I'm, you know, I love training. And then at the same time, I don't train at my department. Right. You know what I mean? So what I do is I I, I call it piddling. You know, I, I'm not much for the recliner. For one reason, if I sit in a recliner, I'm going to fall asleep and I'm going to snore. It's really embarrassing. Okay. Right? right on. Right on. I know. The, I know the feeling. If I sit in that brown thing, it's going to suck the life out of me and I'm out. Right. So I don't want to do that. Plus, there's going to probably be a picture with my you know, slobber coming out of my mouth. But right. what I do is I just I stay I stay busy at the station and I'll start. And I'm, like I said, I call it piddling. Um, really, when I'm out there, I'm training, but I'll throw a ladder, you know, or I'll stretch a line or, um, you know, I'll be out there. I'll be cleaning a, a, a tool, you know, and next thing you know, you know, the guys will go, hey, man, what's he doing? You know, they come out, hey, Steele, what are you doing? I'm like, ah, oh, nothing, I'm just piddling, you know, as I've got like a 24-foot ladder out. They're like, piddling? That don't look like piddling to me, you know? And right. next thing you know, you know, I'm setting a ladder, and we're just having a conversation, you know? It's not like we're going to train today on ladders. Right, it's just, right, it's just organic. thing out, yeah. and, you know, you think it can reach to the third floor of that apartment over there, you know? Or you just have a conversation. You know, next thing you know, you know, everybody has an opinion about, uh, oh, dude, you're doing it wrong. You got to do it this way. This other guy's like, hey, man, what about doing it this way? And next thing you know, you got five different plays on the same thing, and everybody's put their opinion and, uh, you know, and their knowledge into it. And that turned into like to two hours. Right. Just going out there and just having a conversation with firemen, doing fireman stuff. And, um, you know, and I think what happens after that is that, you know, guys talk. They're probably like, hey, man, you know, that was kind of cool. Whatever. No, that wasn't bad. You know, that was right. pretty cool stuff that they didn't show me, you know, and some stuff they showed me was pretty cool, you know. So um, anyway, I guess that's the best thing to do. You've got to you've got to learn by you've got to lead by example, Seth. You can't just talk. You've got to go out there and do it. And uh, in any way you can do this, you've got to trick them into, into training. So right. That's what I do. I trick them into it sometimes. And the great part is, like you said, once they're done and they've done fireman stuff, Firemen love doing fireman stuff when they're done. You know, it's like, holy crap, we just did that. That was freaking awesome. Yep. Uh, where are we at? I got a couple more threads, and I'll get back to my actual notes because this is the very organic. Um, what is your favorite brother? This is from Will Myers. He said, "Brother, what is your favorite topic to train on, or favorite thing to teach the new guy?" Man, that's hard. It's hard. Uh, stretching a line. Stretching line. You know. Right to you're the, the guys, yeah. Well, I mean, you're the guy that was hired to do the thing, you know. 
I, that's why I tell him. I said, I said, hey man, you know, my name's Eddie. I'm not, I'm, you know, I don't, I don't give him any crap. You know, uh, they always go, hey, good morning, sir. I'm like, I'm not a sir. I'm just a dude. You know, but uh, you know, let's start making it fun, man. Hey, dude, let's let's stretch a line. You know, and we'll go out there and we'll stretch lines and and uh, and I explained to him how important this is. I said, you know, you're the new guy. You're going to be on the nozzle and you're going to be expected to be the guy that does the thing. You know, so let's do it right. I'll be out there. And, and then I try to make it fun, man. You know, and I'll say, all right, man, we got you know fire going everywhere and freaking babies and kittens and, you know, and just try to make it fun and, and don't talk down to them. But I think the first thing I, I, I do, though, to answer your question is we stretch lines, you know, just the very basic stuff. Let's stretch lines. Uh, let's talk about uh, catching a plug. Right on. You know, so I, I usually do this uh, plug line ladders. Plug line ladders. Mm. That's it right now, you know. And what happens though is that they're like, "Cool, man!" And every time they swing through the department, like, "Hey, Eddie, what are we gonna train on today?" Right. You know. I'm like, "Sweet, dude, let's go do something," you know. And so, uh, you know, we'll talk about searching. We'll talk about tripod. You know, we'll talk about you know we're in the search a little bit afterwards. But yeah, plug stretching ladders. That, that's really what I did. And we'll do it over and over again. Right on. Um, Plug line ladders and whatever comes off that. I mean, that's, that's amazing. Yeah, that's awesome, man. A good place to start. Yeah. Um, George Robertson said, that's it. You have to get yourself right before you try and get others right. A hundred percent right yeah. on. Uh, Bubba Martin yeah. wants to know, how do you keep from feeling beat down by the guys above you for being into the job? It's a question that we Bubba, get a lot. What's up, man? That guy's awesome, dude. I got stories about Bubba. That's a hard charger there, man. And I appreciate him so much. I've got a cool, really cool story about him. Um, I don't get beat down, man. You know, and I think what it is is that it's hard. And, and you know, Chief, you, you've got really cool um, memes that you have, you know, on your uh, on your website. And thank, I appreciate. I'll it. say thank you, thank you. I mean, seriously, you no, do. And I appreciate. It's it. really hard for people to talk bad about you if you're out there doing stuff. You know what I mean? Because even if there is that one or two naysayers that the rest of the crew is like, yeah, but you know, so I don't worry about it, man. And I guess it's just, you know, cause I had been beat down. I'm just like, eh, you know, whatever. But, um, you know, and again, here's the other thing, Bubba though, is that if you're not happy where you're at and you try to fix yourself, dude, you can go somewhere else, man. I promise you, and especially right now in Texas, like we need firemen and we need good firemen, you know? And so you can go other places. You really can. And, um, so I don't, I don't let myself get down and I try to do my best to, you know, be a good brother and be a good fireman in the house. Right. You know, so that way I'm not just Eddie that likes to train, you know, it's just, you know, I'm here for you. I don't want to talk to you. I want to know about your family, you know, and I don't want people to get a misconception. I'm not out there training 24, seven, 365. You know, I go out there when I when I get bored, which is often. But, you know, I just try to be the best friend I possibly can at the fire department, you know, and try to be a good brother and, um, you know, and try to really mold those relationships. So that way, when we do do things, you know, um, it's a little bit easier. And you like to piddle. <laughs> I like to piddle. <laughs> like to piddle, like which to- leads to plug lines and ladders. And it's just natural. So there you go. That's right. That's All right. right. Um, I have a question. Any of these questions that go come at you, if it's getting too uh, uh, involved or, or you don't want to address that because of your department or whatever, you just let me know. But okay. I'll keep throwing them at you because I don't know who uh, every, all the names are. Danny Hill wants to know, Eddie, as we know, respect is earned regardless of your rank or title. How do you manage not stepping on toes 
when you notice that your leaders are envious of the respect that you are gaining? Man, Danny, what's up, Danny? Danny and I went to Fire Academy together. There you go. Man. You got a network, brother. <laughs> They're tuning in for you. He's awesome. And, and that, there's a guy about adversity right there, Danny Hill, man. You want to talk about you want to talk about adversity? Talk to him. He's got an awesome story. Love you, Danny. Um, you know, I don't worry about what other people. I don't worry about that, man. I really don't. I think that, um, you know, if you really if you mold a really good relationship with those folks there, I'm not talking about, maybe that's just a, a you know, a God given, you know, uh, talent, maybe that I have, but you know, if you, if you gain the respect by trying to learn who they are, how they work, you know, learn, learn about their story. Um, I don't really see any, any of that. Now I was at an apartment where, you know, I, I still have questions of why, things happened the way it was and part of it may have been because maybe i was out there working maybe they were i don't know but it, it, that's a hard thing to, to say but i don't have that problem where i'm at right now danny i really don't and uh in fact uh the leadership that i'm at you know they really um they encourage it you know mm-hmm. i've got some great i've got great um great officers my training captains are amazing man you know my chief is great my battalion chiefs are awesome um I work with great firefighters. Yeah. I'm not the best firefighter at Weatherford Fire Department. You know, um, I've always wanted to be a Weatherford firefighter. So I don't think, uh, I don't really worry about being people being envious of me. I just, I try to gain their respect by trying to be the best, the <clears> best <throat> brother I possibly can be. And then once you gain the respect inside the firehouse and they see that you're out there with skills, uh, you know, you're out there trying to perfect your skills. I think yeah, it kind of all kind of comes together. So uh, stepping on toes, I don't think any of them ever do. Now you have to respect them, you know, and you have to, you know, maybe give a suggestion. But if they don't want to go with it, fine, you know, that's okay, you know. But um, you do have to remember that, you know, like, uh, you know, Aaron Field said, or maybe whoever else said, yeah, water boils from the bottom up, and it really does. So just be pers- persistent, but be, you know, respectful. And uh, that's the best thing I can probably say about that, man. Absolutely, dude. I want to say one thing about envy because, um, anyway, there's so many people I could uh, like, like when Eddie, when Eddie talked, there's so many mentors that have affected me, some of which I've never Mm -hmm. met, some I've only met a couple times. And, uh, that's the power of the internet and the power of, uh, uh, the, the time in which we live. But, um, Chief Scott Thompson turned me onto a book. I won't even go into all that. But long story short, envy, it's a, it's a, uh, whenever someone uses that word, be very careful because if, there's not going to come up to you and say, I'm very envious of you. You know, no one's going to come up to you and tell you that. So if you think they're envious of you, that's you making that assumption. Right. You know, so be very careful. Anytime you think that uh, people are envious of you and you might, and again, I'll take a a lesson from Eddie's book and like, it's time to go look in the mirror. So, yeah, I agree. You know, it it may not be, it may be that you, it may be something up with you, man. And with me, at least check that, at least check that first. Right. So, um, but Dan, I don't see that the problem with Danny. Man, Danny's a Danny's an awesome dude. No, no. And again, I'm not. I don't. I don't know. Uh, yeah. I, I, Eddie Steele. I knew his name forever, and until I went down there, and then after I actually got back to Oklahoma from going down to Texas, and then I actually got to know him a little bit. So uh, I know yeah. I know names, but not faces. No, I agree. Um, now a lot of stuff coming up here. Richard Wiggins is hitting us with some questions, and I want to throw them. Uh, but it's kind of a topic I wanted to talk to you about because. 
the Fools. I love the Fools. If anybody knows me, I'm a card-carrying member of the Mid-American Fools, OKC, um, and I love them. Uh, I go to the meetings, Factors 1 on Monday, and I'm super excited about it. Uh, long story short, I actually, actually moved Basil. Uh, Basil Ibrahim was the scrap that was supposed to be on Monday, and I moved him to Tuesday because of the Fools meeting. Anyway, he's very gracious to do that. <clears throat> All that being said, I've never met somebody who just started the Fools, the Fools chapter from the ground up. So I wanted to pick your brain on it and talk to you about, A, the challenges of it, the misconceptions that people have towards it. How do you keep uh, the reputation from being we're elitists? All, all, that, <clears throat> all those things that come with the Fools. So I'll throw that big question at you and say go. Wow. Um, first of all, I, I cannot give enough... Um, credit and enough appreciation to guys like Chase Morgan from Iron Brotherhood Fools, Matt Jelinski from Heart of Texas Fools, representing right here, Justin Bemis. Um, those two those two um, chapters really, really were um, invaluable to me. Um, and uh, I could not, we would not be where we are without, without the help of those guys. Right on. Um, you know, uh, the Heart of Texas Fools w- was started – don't get me wrong, uh, and, and I may be I may be wrong with this. You know, probably you know almost twenty years ago. You know, and Chief Scott Thompson, I think, was a founding member of that. Mm-hmm. You know, so they are a mentoring chapter. So number one, find a mentoring chapter, and if you go on the the Fools website, they'll give you a list of what the mentoring chapters are. So in Texas right now, what I believe the mentoring chapters are are the Alamo area Fools, um, the Heart of Texas Fools, and maybe the Lone Star Fools in okay. the Austin area. Um, but get a hold of them. And, and, you know, once you start getting through going through the fool's chapter application period, um, ask for help and, um, you know, and always reach out to me, uh, reach out to Chase Morgan. So what I did is I asked for help from, from Matt Jelinski, uh, with heart of Texas fools and from, um, Justin Bemis. And they directly shot me over to, uh, Chase Morgan down in Conroe, Texas. And cause they said, man, if you really, they go, you know, we kind of inherited this, but if you really want to know how to do it from the ground up, Chase Morgan is the way to go. So I called him up. I said, Hey, man, I'm just like you. <laughs> I'm trying to get this thing going. He's like, Oh my gosh. He's like, Why? It's the worst <laughs> thing ever. No, he didn't say that, but he's like, Dude, just get ready. It is, you're going to do a lot of it. Whoever that founding president did, and there's nothing against anybody else that you started with. Sure. He told me this. He said, Get ready to do 80% of it on your own that first, you know, 18 months probably. Right. Just because sometimes it's easier to do it that way. And if you are uh, motivated enough to be the president, you know, you may not have the same motivation from the other guys that, you know, were on your original um, e-board. So my advice uh, is to find a mentoring chapter and ask for help. And uh, just like anybody in the fire service, if you ask for help, you're probably going to get it. Um, so what were the challenges with that? Well, number one, the challenges are like, okay, first of all, you want to do fireman stuff with your friends. That's really all you want to do. You know, right. for me, it was a little bit deeper than that. I had such a, a big passion for, um, for training and for helping others because I was, like I said, I was in that, that low period, you know, where I was the subject of, uh, like, hey, you suck at what you do, you know? And so for me, it was it was kind of a mission personally. 
that I was going to make sure that nobody else would feel the way that I felt and that there was a safe place for them to go and to learn skills, uh, to form friendships and just to get things off their chest. And even for, you know, the veteran guys, you know, it's a, a place where you can get recharged and, and, you know, and fall back in love with the job again. Right on. Um, for me, it was a very, uh, it was a personal reason. And I don't think, I'm not saying that everybody else will have the same, uh, same story about it that I do, but for me, it was something that I felt like I had to do. And it was the way that I could give back to the fire service that gave me so much. And it just so happened to be that, you know, I was like, I guess I was kind of talented in, in teaching, not necessarily like I was a guru at X, Y, and Z skill. It was, maybe it was just the way that I spoke to people and, you know, motivated them um, just through, I guess, maybe my, my story. So um, make sure that you're doing it for the right reasons. Ask the right people. Ask Chase Morgan in Texas, right. anywhere. Right. Call up Chase Morgan. Call up Matt Jelinski. Call up myself. Call up any of the brothers and the fools. All these fools chapters. It's so amazing, man. Right like, on. Right on. It's preach. Lots. You know, I don't even know that guy, but I, I'm envious of that dude. We just talked about it. That guy's awesome. You know, Rob Mitchell. All the, I mean, just just ask for help, man, and you're going to get it. And 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 you know, avalanche of help. Um, but what's difficult about it is is trying to find time. And realizing that um, it is a it's a snowball and it starts off big small and it takes up a lot of your time it's a full-time job you know depending on how active you want to be so um, and then also man check yourself with your family you know I struggle with no, that the man. balance of, yeah no, that's a great good. point yeah you know you got to find time for both things and, and that's a that's a difficult thing to do so um, and also um, expect to have guys fall off of your uh, of your e-board you know some of them may not be able to dedicate the time that you have right uh, the e-board that i've got right now you know they are so good man they're so talented and uh they put up with my messages i'll be like in the middle of the night and i'll have a thought right i text a message of you know the poor the poor guys man <laughs> i love them guys. those guys are so good man and i'll talk and i'll brag about my my uh my e-board i've got guys like matt sap if you don't know who he is you need to know that guy's an amazing fireman kevin you know he's out of frisco i got kevin lewis from dallas that guy he's dope he dedicated his whole life to be a fireman on the tiller truck at station three in dallas oh my god this guy is an amazing dude he just came out i got guys from uh haltom city jeremy wardlow that dude is an amazing guy. He's young and he's energetic. He knows so much stuff. Um, you know, JJ, uh, Jared Joyner, he's in Fort Worth. And, you know, right on. Thomas Anderson, I mean, these guys are just amazing. They're so much better firemen than I am. So surround yourself with guys that are better. Sure. No, solid, solid. And, and, and great advice to anybody who's looking to do it. Um, Jeremy Wardlow asked a great question here, and I want to get your answer to it. He yeah. said, Eddie. First of all, he gives you a compliment because he says you are one of the most humble guys I know, and that comes through completely in this interview. So, hundred uh, percent agree with him. Uh, what does humility mean to you, and what is your advice to get and keep a humble mindset? Um, remember, where you came from. You know, it's like Chief. What you where you said? Hey, I, I need a I need a picture. You know, from you, and I sent you a picture of me in fire academy cleaning out of <laughs> here. 
you know, and just never, ever, ever forget where you came from, man. Never forget, you know, how little you knew. Right never on. forget how you wanted it. And, um, you know, remember that you don't know everything. And, you know, don't be a dick. <laughs> and, That's solid, know, man. It's hard. It's hard to knock. One, man. Be, be a nice guy. You know, be a helper. Help people out, you know. Um, and, uh, yeah, don't don't ever forget where you came from. And just know that there's so much to learn out there. And uh, and also another way, good way to keep yourself humble is do what I do. Surround yourself with better environment. <laughs> you know, and so it's a great, it's a great experience. And also teaching is, is very humbling. <clears throat> By that, what I mean is that you'll have these guys that show up to your trainings or, or your um, your meetings that are just they're they're like me. You know, they're lost or maybe in a in a bad place in their career, or they're looking for something that their department wasn't offering them, which was you know really good training and brotherhood and all that stuff. Right on. When they come up to you and they're like, "Hey, man, you know, like." as if you're somebody, cause I'm not, you know, but you understand about the, um, the amount of responsibility that you have. Yes. You yes. You know, that you've got to be able to send be able to send the right message, you know, and make sure that you're, you're giving the best practices. And so really, I think teaching is humbling. It really is. So uh, those students give me more than I, than, than they realize. It's awesome. Uh, no, uh, absolute great advice. Uh, I love uh, your Frontier Fools. I really enjoy it. I got your shirt. I was going to rock the shirt tonight, but I got the conference coming up next week. And I believe I, I rocked the Frontier Fools last week, so I didn't want to double up. But um, I will say this. Any Fools chapters listening out there on the scrap, I love the Fools. If you have a Fools meeting, if you have a Fools event, I will come and speak at any Fools event or any Fools meeting. All you have to do is get me there and give me a place to sleep. Uh of course, if the schedule allows, but, uh, I always want to tell people who are fools. I love the fools that much. Again, it's such a great organization. Um, anyway, so I wanted to throw that out there, Eddie, I don't know if you are, uh, I always like to ask, do you have book or books that you think firefighters should read? What are your book reading suggestions? Are we there yet? We're here. Okay. We're there yet. All right. So, not really big. I, I, I'll admit, I'm not really huge on reading books. You know, um, I just, you know, I've got learning problems. Okay. <laughs> you know, but but I'll tell you, I try to I try to read a book, and so um, as far as firefighting goes, you know, um, the Functional Fire Company is a great one. You know, by Chief Thompson. It really Absolutely. It, it caught my attention, and uh, it was practical. And what was interesting about it is that, and, and I. I think that maybe I can gravitate to people that are in smaller departments. I love smaller departments, you know? Um, and I think that that book is practical for the smaller departments because, um, you know, that's, let's face it, that's kind of where he is. And that's, that's Weatherford. And that's the majority of, of yes. the American fire. hundred percent. It's my department, uh, small departments, man. Yes. And I love it. And the great thing about smart departments is that you've got to be a good fire. There's no airport to hide it. You've got to be good, man. You know, and, and, it's very important. So I think that's a good book to read. Um, there's another one uh, called The Book of Five Rings. I've got that one right here. Nice. Um, <laughs> this one here, it's about samurai warriors, though, in the 1600s. But it's just really good about overcoming your, your enemies and such. So I think that's really good. It's kind of philosophical, you know. Um, uh, but as far as firefighting goes, I really I really like that that uh, 
one by by Chief Thompson about uh, the functional engine company. I think that that can be that can be read over and over again. Absolutely, like no uh, chap. I think it's chapter two. Chapter two is culture. I think it's one of the greatest chapters ever written in fire service history. I think everyone should have to read it. And if I got the wrong chapter, I'm sorry, but it's the culture chapter. Okay. <laughs> so anyway. Um, uh, no, and, and it doesn't have to be firefighter books. When you said the Book of Five Rings, I love philosophical stuff. I love leadership stuff. I love uh, uh, history. So if you have stuff uh, that, that applies. History. Yes. History. Uh, Empire of the Summer Moon. Okay. Empire of the Summer Moon. It's about the Comanches, and it's about Texas, and it's about warriors, and it's about American history in the in the West. And uh, you know, if you want to know exactly how – frontier life was and uh you know and how american indians and the southern plains ruled the world back then right then that's it and they talk about they don't leave anything behind they talk about blood guts teeth no teeth eyeballs ants and everything everything great one and the cool thing about it especially if you're from texas from Oklahoma or even Southern Colorado, they'll talk about these little towns that you're like, oh my God, that's right there. Right, right. I know that place. Yeah, so it's pretty cool. No, I like it. The Empire of the Summer Moon. Yep. Right on. Okay. We have a thing we do on the weekly scrap, and it is five questions for firefighters. The answers are 100% your opinion. There are no correct answers, sort of. And the points are passed out completely by me, and they're completely arbitrary. So... Eddie Steele, are you ready for the five questions for firefighters? Yes, Chief, I am. All right, let's do this. Number one, let me pull them up here. Devin likes to make fun of me because I have to read them, even though I've done them 92 times now. What is the number one issue facing the modern fire service? We're eating our own, I think, right now. I think that we are sometimes, you know, and that's something that that I'd like to kind of address. Go for it. I think people are having are worrying too much about themselves and about what they're doing than taking care of each other you know and I, I see that inside the sometimes inside the firehouse but i also see that kind of in our world you know and i think that man just imagine what would happen if all of our training groups and everybody just joined forces together you know imagine how great it would be if we could all just kind of like just put whatever our differences are aside and just get along, you know, yeah. uh, I'm not saying it's, 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 it's not like a cancer or anything like that, but you know, I hear about some unfortunate things that happen, you know, between these people or that people. And uh, it's almost like what, I guess it, it, it tugs at my heart because it happened to me when I was out of the fire uh, department, you know, I had a, a target on my back and you know, somehow it's like, we're all expected to be perfect people, you know, and no one knows what's going on in our life. You know, sometimes we've got to, you know, do some, sometimes things happen. And so um, I think eating our own, you know, and I think that, you know, we like to throw around the word brother sometimes, but, you know, when the when the going gets tough, man, is really when you need to reach out a hand and be good Christians, man, and just, you know, kind of be the light in the darkness, you know. And um, I wish that a lot more of us could um, could stop eating our own. So I think that's a problem. No, that's a great answer. Great answer, man. Uh, especially, I always like, like, originally there was only one question. It was this question. And then uh, somewhere in the 20s of the scraps, I started asking the five questions because this question came across so negative. You know what I'm saying? It's like, what's yeah. the biggest problem? What's the biggest problem? It was just negative. So I added the yeah. other questions to turn it positive. But what I really like about your answer 
is that it wasn't just the uh, this is the problem. You also had an answer, to, or if it wasn't an answer, it was imagine. You know, imagine if we could all come together. I love that man. Max yeah, points on number one, hundred percent earned. Okay, number two. What is the thing you are most excited about for the future of firefighting? Man, I love these young guys. You know, it's like what uh, uh, Brother Jimmy was talking about. There is so much information out there. It's good. It's bad. It doesn't matter. But, man, uh, and I think uh, my big brother, Justin Frey, said it uh, during one of the podcasts, I think with Jimmy. He said the amount, the firemen that are going to be coming out with the amount of training information is going to just be like heads and shoulders over what we had. Like, I had to, like, read a fire engineering magazine. Right. You know Same. what I mean? Same. And, and 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 it was just something. Sometimes it wasn't even like tangible to me because this is something that somebody in New York is doing. Now, obviously, the guys in New York are doing it because it works for them, you know, and they do it a lot. But like, it's like ah, but we don't do that here. Right. You know, the department I was at, we didn't go to roofs. We just didn't do that. So I don't know what you're talking about, dude. And I'll just put that down. But I think right now, because there's so much information out there, there's so much training material. And there's so much access to us. I think it's so exciting, and I can't wait. And I love like these these young guys. I'll name some like Dominic Dominguez, and you know all these got these young guys out there just killing it, man. You right. know, and you can tell like they're just grasping for as much knowledge. And once they learn something, like they're like, "Hey, man, look what I learned," you know. And I just think that's great stuff, man. So there's all these guys out there, you know, that I love seeing them that they're learning, and I love that they're into the job. And I really do think that the fire service is going in a good direction. And I really think that we can pass the torch and say, we're, we're good. We're good. We're going to be all right, man. As long as we just quit eating our own, right? you know, I think we're going to be good. I really do. Dude, I love your positive vibes, man. I love your positive vibes. Uh, number three, best rank or position to be in in the fire service? <clears throat> oh, the firefighter. You're the guy that does the thing, man. The guy that does the thing. I love <laughs> that. And I'll tell you this, you know, I'm an old guy, you know. Um, I was so great. I was so uh, so gracious to be able to be hired by Weatherford Fire Department when I was in my 30s. Uh, I was, shoot, I was almost, I'm sorry, I was 40, you know. I, I took the, we're talking about adversity. I took that test 10 years in a row, Chief. Damn. I took that test 10 years in a row. I wanted to be a Weatherford Fireman. You know, and I think finally just felt sorry for me. Like, ah, oh, he's an old guy. He's got the limp. <laughs> <laughs> he's got the John Wayne walk. Let's do this. That's right. You know, and what it was is that, well, that one year that the test question wasn't A, and the next year it wasn't B, and the next year it wasn't C, so it's got to be D. You got you know? it. <laughs> After 10 years in a row, man, you're going to get it. But, um, I, I, yeah, I think so for me now when I get there, and, you know, and I had some experience and, and such and, you know, some guys ask me if I'm gonna if I'm gonna promote and such. Man, gosh, I, that, I love being in that back seat, man. I love being the guy that does the thing. You know, I really do. I want to stretch the line. I want to do the search. I want to go make patient contact. I want to, you know, I want right. to do that. You know, and at the same time, though, as you get older, you're like, man, you know, um, you know, maybe you know, Chief Charlie Dahl said, Eddie, you know, you need to. And I'm, I'm saying this humbly, you know, he goes, man, you need to, the fire service needs guys like you to promote, you know, I know the feeling. And yes. Apartments. And I know the senior guy is an important. Absolutely. Position. They are in the smaller, in the bigger departments it is, but sometimes those smaller departments can't afford to have that knowledgeable guy stay the firefighter. 
And, you know, my fire chief told me, he said this to me, Chief Peacock, this guy is awesome. He's former 82nd Airborne. He's, right. he, <laughs> this guy addresses us as warriors, Chief. Like, no BS. Like, his emails go, warriors, comma, you know? <laughs> yes. You know, if, you, if you call somebody a POS enough, they're going to believe it. And if you call somebody a warrior enough, you're going to believe it, you know? But um, anyway, so he told me, he goes, man, if you really want to make a difference in this department, you know, promote. So uh, what I tell guys is that the best position ever is the backseat firefighter. Um, but if you really, really want to um, to make a difference in the fire service, I think people, the fire service needs guys like us to promote eventually. I want to say two things. A, excellent answer, okay? Uh, again, I don't think you've answered anything that didn't have passion pouring out of it. So I think that's just kind of your mantra, but I will say this when, uh, there's only one correct answer to that. Always it gets max points and that's company officer. So that's just my opinion. Cause I get to give out the points, not the point right. the point was you had so much passion. And I love the way you say the guy that does the thing, like, I believe you. So the guy that does the thing, that's awesome, man. You want to make patient contact. You want to do it. Uh, great, great answer. Guy that does the thing actually it was coined from one of our senior firemen, Brady Fry at Weather Fire Department. Right that on. guy, that guy is awesome, and he's the one. He's the one that said the guy that does the thing. I was like, oh yeah, guy does the thing. Gonna- guy that does the thing. I love it, man. I know. Now we'll just keep passing it on. Um, buddy, did you say Fry, Brady Fry, Brady Fry. Okay, oh, man, that guy. That's an awesome fireman. I work with so many good firemen, Chief. I'm not. I'm just. I'm just trying to keep up with these dudes. You're just the guy that does the thing. <laughs> number four uh best advice you have ever received <clears throat> i had a uh crap my dad um hmm. my dad was a fighter pilot and said early on because he realized what i was getting into so he understood it a lot and um the sleepless nights and the danger He said, God damn it, son, you got to train and you got to keep training until you don't know any other thing to do. Because when the shit gets hard, if you don't resort back to your training, you're going to end up goddamn dead. It's hard to beat. Uh, I keep having a timestamp on repeat, all these quotes. So I hope you don't mind as I sit there and go one from yep. there. Like Chase Morgan says, if you call someone a piece of shit enough, they'll believe you. If you call yep. someone a warrior enough, they'll believe it. Quote of the night. And then you follow it up with that piece of advice. And so uh, that was an excellent, uh, powerful piece of advice. Final question. Number five. You've got heavy fire and you've got tenable space, searchable space. Would you rather... Be assigned to the nozzle or first first in on VES. Whatever my whatever my whatever needs to get done. If there's fire, it's a if you put the fire out, the problem goes away. If you put the fire out, the problem will go away. If you're working on the fire with water, the problem will go away. Um, at the same time though, I also heard somebody say that, you know. A nozzle never pulled a person out of a, a out of a burning building before. I think that was Justin Fraze that said that. That's a really hard one, man. You know, um, I will do whatever I'm asked to do. But um, 
as long as I'm the guy doing the thing. But make sure that you're good. You're damn good at both of them because you owe it to your brothers and you owe it to the people that are paying your salary. So just make sure that you're damn good at both of them when you're asked to, to do it. Strong, brother. Strong. There it is. Uh, I don't know if I've ever had a more... Uh, my eyes are sweating a little bit, so I don't know <laughs> if I've had a more emotional five questions. So, I, brother, are you passionate? Sorry, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm a, I'm a manly firefighter. Cut it out. So... <laughs> It's just uh, the dust. Yeah, the it's, dust. it's allergies. Um, no, it's amazing, dude. Amazing. You are a very passionate guy. And there it is, the five questions for firefighters, according to Eddie Steele. So. Hey, I just want to say I, I love all you firemen out there. I love everything that you're doing. I love, I just love all y'all. And I appreciate everything that you've ever done for me. Everybody out there, you know, my brothers at Weatherford, my brothers in the Fools, you know, my brothers everywhere. You know, you know exactly who you are. All the chiefs, all the mentors. You know, I mean, I guess it'd be a three-hour thing if I said to anybody, man. Right. Just let's just love each other, guys. That's all I want to do. Let's get good at what we're doing because, man, let's be the guys that does the thing. You know what I mean? I love it. The right, guy that hundred percent, brother. Thank you so much for everything, man. I don't even think I got to even a, a half of my questions I had for you. The audience came through big time, throwing stuff at you, curveballs and fastballs, and you crushed it. So thank you for that. Thanks, Chief. I appreciate it. Thank you, everybody. Uh, I'm gonna hit everybody up real quick. Honor the Fallen Fire Conference. It is uh, officially seven days, one week from tomorrow. So we're eight days away, seven days away. However you want to look at it. Uh, go to Facebook, look for Honor the Fallen, share it. Uh, it's going to be amazing. Uh, I've, I've been doing this all day today, making these things to so that people can wear them at the conference. Now, I'm really going to try to make it there, Chief. I really, I really do Dude, want to make it there. Get up here, man. So right. I look forward to it. Um, so I've been making those all day so the people that registered, get yeah, everybody can know their name, know where they're from, see them. And I, I think that's an integral part when you go to a conference. Great conversation starters. Um the uh, hot classes are sold out, so there's no more hot classes available. They're going to be amazing. So if you got in, congratulations. There are a ton of uh, room left in the lectures. So the, 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 the venue for the lectures is huge. So there's lots of room for these eight amazing speakers that are going to be uh, speaking. No, you're good. You're now upside down, but that's okay. Um, so anyway, that's it. Ton of room in the left. If you want to register, register. I want to say this. If you can come, but you are, uh, money is an issue, contact me. I've got discount codes. Um, I've got people that are willing to sponsor people who can make it to the conference. So reach out to me and let me know that, Hey, I can be there. It's just money is an issue. I understand. Believe me completely. This whole thing is a benefit. And so, uh, there are people that are, that are willing to get you here if you have time. So, um, <clears throat> let's make that happen. Um, today we went and got the socials locked down for Friday evening after the lectures and Saturday evening after the lectures. So there's gonna be socials, adult beverages, if that's your thing and fellowship, it's going to be a great time. So I'll quit talking about it. Um, don't miss your chance. Get registered so I can meet you next week. Uh, guests coming up next week. Uh, we've got Basil Ibrahim, followed by Ch uh, Jacob Johnson, then Blake Stinnett, then Robert Ramirez, then Todd Edwards. So June and July are packed out. It's going to be a good time. And we're fast approaching weekly scrap number 100. So, uh, yeah, quick. I love to 
I know I'm doing a lot of housekeeping. Check this thing out. It came in the mail today. That is one National Fire Radio, one badass coin. It's going to go in the box. The 1075 Club. Uh, Jeremy, forgive me if I get the story wrong, but basically that is the code they transmit in at the FDNY for a structure fire. And they pass a coin out, or they, they say you're in the 1075 Club once you make your first structure fire. And I got that today. And I'd be remiss without... This is my new addiction. Taylor's Tins, man. I am. I, you can see that I've got... Uh, there's six of them now uh, growing. I got two today from National Fire Radio. You can see they're customized. It said Firehouse Vigilance. I won't, I won't belabor you guys with the personalized note that Jeremy sent me. But, uh, again, uh, I got very emotional just reading it all. So, I guess... Uh, yeah, I'm a softie deep down inside. So, anyway, long story short, that's it. It's in the books. I'm not sure. I'm not sure we can hear you, but we can see you. Uh, so, thank you so much, Eddie Steele, for being the stand-in guest. You crushed it tonight, bro. That was a great, great episode. So, absolutely, uh, audience, amazing as always. Thank you for so many great questions. Uh, I hope the tone stays silent, unless it's burning. You guys stay safe out there. Thanks for listening to the weekly scrap. Please subscribe and please share. We'll see you at the next episode.